Welcome back to Fearless Questions. This is Jeff Blackburn, and it's the time for our new podcast. Today, we have John Freeman with us. Um, and John is the director of Grace Discipleship in Greensboro, North Carolina. Uh, this is a, a ministry, an organization that um, exists to connect weary souls with the gospel of grace. Um, so my understanding, John, is that you care for people who feel stuck uh, or need space to kind of uh, dig in to uh, the gospel of Jesus. Does that sound, sound about right to you? Yeah, Jeff, it does. <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's funny. So many people hear the scriptures and, and hear really great uh, verses or sermons, yet there's this gap between that and where they live on the everyday life. And, mm-hmm. and it's just nice to step in that gap with people and, and help them really live out some of these, some of these uh, gospel truths. Cool. Well, John, you and I, we kind of connected uh, a while back. Um, I was kind of somewhere, somewhere along the way, I was looking into something called spiritual direction and there's some different schools out there. And uh, Dr. Larry Crabb has something, has a school that he, that he leads. I think it's called new way maybe. Um, And somewhere along the way, my wife, Jody, read something by maybe your wife mentioning that you had been to a school like that. And I, so I started reading around. I thought, oh, okay, John's been to this place. I want to find before I spend a bunch of money and go off to Colorado or North Carolina or something, I'd like to hear more about it. And so uh, you were kind enough to kind of give me, share some of your experience with me. And then when we were visiting some friends in, uh, uh, let's see, I guess Chapel Hill, it was maybe last right, year. Yeah. Uh, we had a nice little time at a Panera that you were kind enough to to hang out and and um, just share a little life with, and so yeah, it's just kind of the beginning of a friendship for for us. But I've enjoyed it, and um, and so I guess as you shared your life with me a little, I'd love for you to just kind of share with others just a little bit. Just start by kind of sharing a little bit of your background, your life, and faith journey, and um, you know, just kind of start there. Yeah, sure. Well, well, Greensboro is is definitely home. You know, I, I was born and raised here, and and Dad was planted here because he purchased uh, the rights to uh, having a Waffle House franchise. And so back in 1971, he opened a store in Salisbury, North Carolina, and then made Greensboro his headquarters and, and did that for 30 years and ended up getting quite a few uh, stores under his belt. And so that's the environment I grew up in. It was really <laughs> son of the, of the boss of the 24-hour restaurant. And, uh, you know, there's a lot that came with that, but, um, definitely grew up working at the waffle house, um, cooking waffles, learning kind of the way of the, of the restaurant. So ended up going to app state, um, and loved, loved ASU and, and studied a a unique, uh, with a unique group there, um, in the hospitality management program. So the idea was I was going to go, uh, straight into the waffle house business after, after maybe college or an MBA, and so I was I was being lined up to to do this and to take uh, take take over Dad's business. Well, I, I came to Christ in in 1995, right in the heart of my time at App State, and it really changed the course of everything. I mean, I I, I was uh, just radically transformed. I mean, I, I had lived um, according to the world and really got into some stuff up there that was you know I'm not I'm not proud of, but God really used that, and and so uh, I had this really awkward but amazing conversation with my dad at the time. I was like, Dad, you know, I'm 
my heart is not in the the the, the food and beverage industry right now. <laughs> the way of the and, waffle. I know, right? And, and so it was really interesting, and I just so look back on the you know that conversation, and Dad was so uh, generous by just saying, you know, son, whatever you want to do, I, I'll I'll support you. And it turned out that nice. um, the pastor that that was at Little Church in Boone that I was connected to had ties to a seminary down in Columbia, South Carolina, CIU, and. And so I ended up going there right out right out of college and in, entered into, into seminary and and kept working at the Waffle House kind of off season and, and dad and just so that was really a, a key um, source for funding my seminary education was was working at the Waffle House and, and dad's connection into the company mm-hmm. and um, so from that point on I, I I was a young seminary student um, I met Emily there and. Um, she actually had just graduated um, from the associate program the semester before, but being a young seminary student, I connected with the Bible college students there, and some of them were Emily's friends, and and so that's how we met um, down there in South Carolina, which is really a pretty cool thing. Um, but just to kind of make a long story short, I, I uh, graduated seminary, then came back to Greensboro and did an internship at Westover Church and connected with some wonderful people and and then uh, just so happened to to start um, middle school ministry at another church in Greensboro called Grace Community Church, and okay. and and all of this is really significant because I felt like God was putting this city in my heart, and and just serving as a youth pastor at Grace Community just began that journey of of just having a heart for this city, not just the youth but the families and even just the people of of the city. Um, so being at Grace Community was it was a sweet time. That was from 2001 to 2007, and then I went back to Westover Church and served there from 2007 to 2013. So I was there for six years working with high school students, and so okay. so you know, and this whole journey of connecting with these people and these uh, these families was just looking back was very key in what I'm doing now. Um, but you mentioned. The, the Larry Crabb uh, 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 School of, of Spiritual Direction. And, and uh, in, in 2011, um, I had uh, planned to, to go uh, to Colorado Springs and enter into that school, which I did. But, but leading up to that, my dad actually uh, uh, passed away. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't feel like I had the emotional health um, to grieve that well. Yeah. And so at that time I would, I had been serving as in, in the youth pastor, large church youth pastor role for 10 years. Mm-hmm. I was very tired. And, um, so I really, I began to, um, have some symptoms of, of an emotional breakdown and, and, uh, Westover church was so generous. They, they gave me, a, um, a, you know, a couple months off a uh, medical leave of absence. And, mm-hmm. And a year before that, I had signed up to do that, the School of Spiritual Direction with Dr. Crabb. And um, that, that was amazing. So that just fell right at the beginning of my, my leave of absence was that time with him that turned out to be such a, such a healing uh, time in my life. So you had already signed up, you're saying, for the school prior to a year before you actually had this situation where you were That's right. the breakdown. And, yeah, and even Dad was, you know, we had— 
uh, not heard of anything about his cancer or um, didn't know just what the, that, you know, what 2011 was going to look like, which turned out to be a very difficult uh, year for, for our whole family. Mm. John, before you, before you move forward with that, because that sounds like such a big, obviously a big turning point in someone's life facing uh, cancer with your father. Um, you mentioned just kind of that exhaustion. It sounded like you did sort of two tours of duty, if you will, in, in youth ministry. Um, what was your experience? I mean, I, I'm, sh- I'm sure you had a great time with it, but um, this is just kind of as a side question. As someone myself who was in youth ministry for a long time, I'm, I would just be interested in your your view of how that exhaustion kind of came out of that. If it was, if you see it as something that was necessary, you know, it's just part of the deal, or something that you think you might have done different if you were doing it over. Um, do you know what I'm getting at there? Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's it's a hard uh, question to answer because I think it was a combination of things. I think in a way, it was a perfect storm. Um, I uh, operated, I think, uh, in my own resources, and so I um, attempted to have this this to work out this strategy of my, making life and ministry work. Um, I was pretty self sufficient, and I, you know, could, could try to could manipulate pretty well. And manipulate is kind of a negative word, but but I just think I was living out of my own resources. Um, I and, was, and more, for people who don't know you, I mean, I, this is not meant to build you up, but you are a pretty cool dude. Like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I've met you in person. It's like, you're a cool looking guy. You're fun, good sense of humor. I mean, for people that don't, haven't met you, it would be easy for somebody with your kind of uh, personality and skill sets to rely on your own strengths for, for longer than maybe the average guy. Sure. Well, I, you know, I, um, I think it, I, I think it's really easy to have a default as yourself, yeah. <laughs> to be your own point of reference, yeah. uh, you know, to be uh, the alpha and the omega. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's that can be cloaked in our Christian culture. That really it's just us, and beneath the surface there's this motivation by fear or whatever. Or what are people going to think? Or yeah. how do I look? You know, all those things. I just. Uh, you know, that was part that was part of me. Yet I feel like God still those years were so sweet and by his grace, he still chose to to use me and 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 just work in the church settings. I was I mean, it was just so it, it, it was really sweet. Um, the other thing, though, I will say, and I don't mean to contradict myself, but but I do think there is a culture, kind of a youth ministry culture that sets the youth pastor up for failure. Yeah. And in other words, I I really think we just um, create these pedestals like, okay, we're going to hire the guy that's going to really connect with our kids and and he's going to be the hero and and we're going to like him. And and that is, um, you know, to me that there, there's something wrong with that. Yeah. And, And I think the more that I began to see, wow, what can I do to partner with these families and to, get the these adult volunteers into the lives of of these kids um that that i think that is where uh youth ministry to me should go it's, it, it should head deep deep into the family and the relationships that families have with each other instead of just having this this program that you know has this hero figure or this youth pastor that's kind of running the show and mm. I, yeah so I, I just think the culture is a little out of whack when it comes to youth ministry especially big church youth ministry 
Yeah, totally. I, I actually think the first time I ever heard something like that, I think we said that, um, isn't Dr. Olshine, David, was he, did you have him for a course? Yeah, at some point? yeah, yeah I, actually, I, I took a grad course on family and youth counseling with him one time. And, uh, that was the first time I'd kind of hear, heard somebody start down that path you were just on about, you know, uh, maybe needing to move youth ministry in that direction. But, um, uh, well, well, John, that's, um, you know, it's a, that's a big, deep conversation all its own. Um, but you're coming. So, but what I heard you saying was before I distracted you was that you'd, you'd worked your way through these years of youth ministry. They were good years, but you're also spending so much of your own energy and resources to the point that you're kind of running on empty. It sounds like at the exact same time you're running out of emotional gas and breaking down at the exact same time that a really dark period of uh, dark circumstances with your father set in, it sounds like at the worst possible time, but is that, is that a fair assessment? I think so. And you know, again, you hear the, you hear the phrase, or at least I do perfect storm, you know, perfect storm is when the climate is, is just right. You know, the moisture comes in, everything's just right. And, and, you know, looking back there, it, it really was, I mean, there are these different things that came in at the worst possible time. Yet I look back at that and I just see, God's deep work in that dark time. As a matter of fact, I think God, I, I really think God does his deepest work in darkest of times. Hmm. And so, you know, you, you don't want to wish anything like that on people. Right. But, but I, I do think that is, that is a, a misfire with our Christian culture is we avoid all the, all the hardships and all the difficulties and we even blame God in the process, but we avoid that and and fail to let God do His His deep work in the midst of of struggle, mm. and defeat and difficulties. You know all those things. Um, well, you said you stepped into that. You're you're coming into that dark time at the exact time you had um, you had the school of spiritual direction set up with Doctor Crab. Um, what exactly? How did that? Uh, it sounds like maybe that was a shifting point for you kind of a tipping point in a different direction in your journey what was if you could just kind of talk about that yeah i think um dr crab has a lot of different um themes with with his books and with his conferences but one particular um i think i think legacy i don't, I don't know if that's the right word but one thing that i think he's going to be remembered for is his teaching on on God's work and suffering, or if you to, to think of Saint John of the Cross, uh, the dark night of the soul. Okay, and um, he does a lot of wonderful work connecting discipleship with with suffering and difficulties. And so that was quite a shift for me. That as I got away and, and actually he you know even intimately kind of walked with me. Um, what seemed to happen was that that these struggles brought things to the surface. They brought attachments that I had, that my soul had with other things other than Christ. And so I had this attachment to people's opinions of me or people's opinions of my, my ministry. I had these attachments of um, appearance and um, attachments of success. And so with all of these soul attachments, ways that I was getting my needs met, ways to develop and construct this identity, I started to lose a sense of my intimacy with with Christ. And so really the SSD for me 
was learning to detach from these false sources of life mm. and reattach to Christ as my life. Mm. And, and that is, I mean, that, I feel like that, that is the journey that I'm even on with as I walk with people now. I mean, that's kind of, the, that's some sort of a simplistic way of, of saying it. But what are we obsessed with? And how can we shift through brokenness? And he really emphasizes brokenness. And how can we shift towards an obsession, a healthy obsession with Christ? Mm. You know, the, it, as you're as you're describing that, um, and you're talking about the the things that Dr. Crabb was teaching about finding you know grace and brokenness and the work that goes on there. What would you say? I mean, it would be a direct connection for someone going through a dark a dark period right now. What about those folks that, um, you know, like if you were speaking to yourself, maybe, you know, two years prior to, to kind of that breakdown moment, you know, how do you, how do you see that, that person now, you know, yourself a couple years back there before, before you knew you were running on empty, um, what's been your observation sort of, of if there's an invitation to be offered or, you know, how do you engage folks like that now? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a tough question because it's you know God it just seems like God does slow work. Mm-hmm. It just seems like you you hear something or a story from someone else and it's like, "Oh yeah, I want that and I want to get moving with that or I want that for someone else or I want that for my teenager." Mm-hmm. And um that's where I think there there is a, a different levels of abiding. So I just think people uh, have the opportunity to abide in Christ in a way that they know how during that season of life. And so just turning to Christ and, and not, you know, rushing people, not trying to force brokenness or say, hey, you know, read this book, but just being present to people and walking with people and doing that for the long haul. I mean, who's 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 doing that kind of thing? You know, I, there's just not out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I do have to say, I think it 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 reflects a um, a patience that you seem to have with people's spiritual journey that that is not the norm, I don't think. Um, and I'm not sure for all the reasons why that is. I have some ideas, but I'm not sure what your experience, even in the churches you've been a part of, it sounds like you've had good experiences with those folks. Um, but would you say even in, even inside the good churches that you've been a part of, that's still been a bit of an issue of people trying to rush rush people along? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, there's, there's different writings about stages of faith. And I know you've probably read a lot of this, um, but a lot of, uh, a, a lot of theologians and, and authors talk about a crisis or hitting a wall. And, um, and I do think that that is part of it. Now, I'm not talking about like a set second baptism or, you know, yeah, anything yeah. like that, but, but I really think, that um, that if we're patient enough, we we will see God work in difficult times with people, and God sometimes will bring circumstances that that are are just too much for that person to handle. Mm. And so I just I, I think that there's a discipline of being watchful. What is God doing? And I don't know if our culture and the you know the mature believers are are living slow enough lives to be watchful for the sake of others. Hmm. Now that's a that's a big that's a challenge for me. It's just 
for the sake of some people around me or family, you know, am I being watchful for what God might be doing in difficult times? And I'm, am I speaking encouraging words during that time and uh, casting a hopeful vision? So there's something to that, you know, mm. and, and I just, there's some great pastors in Greensboro and, and I just love kind of walking with churches and, 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 you know, I, I don't think we always have to spell out that, but I do think we need to be watchful and ask the question, what's God up to? Yeah. What's he doing? And that's exciting to me. Yeah. Well, as you do that, um, I mean, it sounds like this is sort of what is at the heart of grace discipleship, what you're, what you're doing there. Um, what's that look like for you now? I mean, that's a, I mean, it sounds like that's a much different, uh, role, um, in the faith community than, than being that staff person at a big church. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's more removed in many ways, but more flexible in others. I mean, what's what's that space look like for you? Sure. Um, well, I remember when I was full blast um, at these churches, and I would have a student, or maybe even a you know a young man, or sometimes even some parents come to me with with some difficult circumstances and. And they would say, you know, can you meet with me or can we connect a few times uh, the next, you know, two or three months? And really, you know, I just had to say no. Mm. And it was because I just had, you know, my plate was full and and I just, I, you know, I didn't have the mental space, but also just with family and the calendar. And I, and, you know, that's OK. I mean, that's that was that was my job and um, was to lead and, and to have these meetings. But. This work is a little bit different. Um, I think a key part of what I do is being being available to being open. And and that doesn't mean, you know, I can meet any night and I'm going to neglect my family. Not, <laughs> that's not what I'm getting at. Yeah, right. But, but to have this ministry of presence, of being able to look people in the eye and not have an agenda with anyone. And really ask some of these questions. What is God doing in your life? And how can we participate in what he's doing? So I just had um, a college student ask me uh, last week. He's like, you know, would it, would it be okay? Could we meet like maybe every other week for like six months or three months? I can't remember what he said. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I said, yeah, totally. Let's do it. <laughs> and he's, he's kind of surprised. And, yeah. But just, you know, that that is kind of the... That is the space that that I have that I really attempt to fight for and um, for the sake of people that are weary and and people that really want to connect with God because they know God's real and they know that there's that they are under grace. And and yet there's just this disconnect with that playing out in their everyday lives, Hmm. playing out how they relate and playing out in the conversations they have. Uh, with other people. And so that, that just really gets me going, um, is for them to, to really dig in to their union with Christ and live out these things and, and to have companionship, uh, in that journey. Hmm. Well, it sounds like, um, the pace of the conversation you're talking about, um, in terms of like listening to see what God's up to and what he might be doing in your life. Um, it sounds like you might have to turn the TV off to, to uh, listen at that pace. Um, but I wonder one of the things, you know, you mentioned either, either here on your site, um, 
was not just the, you know, the folks going through dark times, but even when you talk about folks, you know, dealing with the anxieties of everyday life right now, um, they just have that kind of, you know, low lying pressure and anxiety that just kind of, kind of hovers there in the shadows. What's the, um, you know, when you talk about grace and I've heard you talk a number of times here now about this union with Christ that's available, you know, what's that, um, how do you usually go about addressing that with folks, that low level anxiousness? And I know it's a long conversation, but what's sort of the, the process you go through with people? Gosh, yeah, you know, and it, and it's um, it's hard to say that there is a there is a process. Um, I think that that it, it can go in many different places, and and I have to really be honest with people. I mean, there there are various disorders that that come um, under this umbrella of anxiety, and and I've got some wonderful uh, Christian counseling friends and psychologists in Greensboro that that I feel like I can refer people to, but but I have seen more and more, especially with young men, this this low level anxiety that really motivates them, uh, that they're driven by fear, and and it, it just uh, it, it it is it can be disastrous if you live with that kind of anxiety uh, for a person spiritually speaking. I, uh, one thing that that definitely comes to mind, and this is something I'm talking about at a couple churches here and. In, in Greensboro this month is there's this uh, this verse in first Peter 5 is so it's fascinating it talks about um, uh, humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God and and he will exalt you in due time casting all of your cares upon him because he cares for you and what's interesting about that verse is is casting really modifies humility that that word so casting is is a participle that modifies humble yourself and so if casting your cares is connected to humility, then maybe keeping your anxiety is connected to pride. Mm. And I think that is, if you, if you want to think of a process, I think one thing that I attempt to help people do is to identify what is your false narrative? What is your false identity? How are you getting your needs net, met apart from Christ? Because oftentimes when our needs are met and we're trying to get it from another source, anxiety will follow. Now, you have to be careful with that if somebody <laughs> says, man, I'm struggling with anxiety. Man, that's pride. You need to suck it up. You know, that's not what I'm getting at there. But if we're really honest, if we go a little bit deeper and look at some of the roots of our, our emotional problems, oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes— there's a spiritual issue of us trying to meet our own needs apart from Christ. And so walking with people in that and is, um, is really my, my heartbeat and, and to see health. And one thing I didn't mention about the SSD that, that came out of it, I think was really significant, was I learned to be more present to Emily. I just recall her saying, you know, in the midst of my hurried, crazy, busy youth pastor lifestyle, I remember her saying, you know, it's hard for me to dream with you. I don't mm. feel like you're looking me in the eye. I don't feel like you're really there. I don't feel like you're present. Wow. And I think the number one takeaway from that school of spiritual direction was I was given guidance on how to be present to my wife. 
and had a dream with her. And I think that's what the gospel does. It frees up our soul. It frees us up to relate in a way that reveals Christ. And I like, you know, like Bonhoeffer, whoever said it, you know, <laughs> our freedom isn't just for, our, for us. Our freedom is for others. Yeah. And, and I think there's a release there. And, and that's my heart for people, not, not to just be overcomers of their issues, but now to be able to relate in a way out of the fullness of Christ that Christ would be revealed. I mean, that to me, man, I can talk on and on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So it sounds like if, uh, if I come meet with you at Grace Discipleship, at some point I'm going to end up crying. Is that what I hear? Like <laughs> you're, you're going to like let someone face their own soul and like uh, it's just going to be like, what? Um, <laughs> in a good way. In a good way. I'm at a point in my journey finally where it's like, I wish I'd been able to, uh, I'm not saying everybody cries when they meet with you, but man, you're, sounds like you're inviting people to, uh, to a really precious place, even in their own lives. Like, uh, it's like, Hey, you know, you've got this space in your own soul. You want to, why don't you go, uh, take a look around there, see what's going on. Yeah. And I, and I love the verse, you know, what John 14, Jesus says, we will come to him and make our home with him hmm. that he considers our heart, his home. Shouldn't that make a difference? You know, if we are the temple of the Most High, if we are the, the abiding place of God Himself, I think that is a game changer. Yeah. So to walk with people and help them identify, well, well, how? And how can we really draw from His presence and live uh, in the everyday in His presence? I mean, that is, that's exciting to me. Mm. Um. You know, I saw this uh, Brene Brown quote this last week, and I'm sure you've seen it or heard it. But she says that deal about vulnerability. When you see it in yourself, when you see it in other people, vulnerability it looks like courage. But when you see it in yourself, it feels like weakness. And um, I know I've experienced that myself. Do you? Am I hearing you say that's kind of what? I mean, are you inviting people towards vulnerability, or is that an overstatement of? When you talk about that union with Christ, I mean, it sounds like a very vulnerable conversation to me that you're describing it really is and and i think um if people come to my office and they you know i've got some chairs there and it's comfortable and private and it is really um a a safe place it's a confidential space you know so it looks like a counseling or sound you know (laughs) it it appears to be that but but it is I, i i think and i think for whatever reason um god has just allowed me to be trusted in this town and and people just have a tendency to open up, and and um, and it's really a a precious honor mm. to um, to share in in people's burdens and suffering, and and oftentimes I will, you know, when appropriate, I may be vulnerable myself, and and um, yet yeah, not not hijack the time, but but also <laughs> just just maintain uh, that this this is a, a sacred place and a holy place to be real and to. Also, um, experience the presence of, of Christ and not just talk about the presence of Christ, but just say, you know, this, he's here right now. Um, and he's at work. And so, but yeah, vulnerable. I mean, I think that's a, that's a good descriptive for this kind of work. Mm. Well, John, one of the things that, um, that I, that kind of the heart behind fearless questions is about freedom, but it's this idea that, um, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, perfect love drives out fear. 
but that the opposite is also often true, that perfect fear can drive out love. And it's really hard to, to love things that you're afraid of. And so and so oftentimes I find it's the, the deeper questions of life that people are afraid of because they just they have a hard time engaging them because they're just afraid of the, what, what might come out of it. And um, so when I talk about what you're doing being a place of vulnerability, I think that people really do get nervous when you're talking about questions that operate at the center of who they are, their identity, and how they operate in the world. Um, you know, if there's, it's something I ask a lot of guests that come on here with us, but, um, you know, if there was questions that you wish um, you could see people asking more, um, you know, the people you come across and that, that you see in your town, like what are the questions you, you would like to see people asking? Well, um, one thing I love about what you do from what I know is so many people carry with them unanswered questions for, you know, months and years and they just accept, okay, I'm just not going to have that question answered. And, and, uh, I, I love this, uh, this idea of really, you know, diving straight into that. (laughs) Um, but one question, um, that definitely comes to mind and this is really kind of awkward but I heard John Ortberg ask uh, Dallas Willard like like where do you start with people like when you walk with people and, and guide them spiritually and, and help them and uh, Dallas Willard said often I will just ask them what is bothering you mm. what is bothering you and that's always stuck with me and, and I think if if we begin there and pay attention to what is eating eating at me, what is not leaving me, oftentimes that can be a doorway to to a conversation that I think could lead to some of those deeper places. Hmm. Yeah, that's profound. I, that's a he made that nice and simple for us, but that really gets right to the heart of it, doesn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Well, John. Um, I appreciate what you're doing so much. I think I've told you, but, um, you know, I just, I think it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing you've got going on there in Greensboro. And, um, I just hope that more and more people find out about it, um, and take advantage of, of what you're offering and what you're trying to, I know you're just there to serve. Um, but uh, I just, I just hope that, um, (laughs) I don't know. I just hope the word gets out if it hasn't already, but probably has there, but over in Indianapolis and further west, I don't know that we know about it. Like you said earlier, it's not uh, there's not enough people like you out there. So uh, my heart just beats with what you're doing. So I'm just really grateful for for what you're up to and and grateful for your time that you were willing to stop and spend a few moments with us here today and and kind of talk about your own story and be vulnerable. And I didn't cry at all. I didn't have any tissues out here, so <laughs> I feel feel safe. That's good. <laughs> but uh, if people want to find out more about what you're doing, what would they? Uh, can you just like give them your website or anything? Yeah, yeah. It's just it's simply gracegreensboro.org. So grace and then g r e e n s b o r o dot org, and you can okay. contact me through that website and. And it's okay for folks to send you an email or something if they've got questions or sure. or whatever. Yeah. Going. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right, John. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us, and uh, hopefully we can uh, connect sometime in the future soon. Let's do it again. Thanks, Jeff. All right, John. Bye bye.